Have you ever played pretend with a child? It's incredible. Uh, the kinds of things that they can imagine. And, you know, maybe they're a king or a queen or a princess. And you, the responsible adult, uh, you become uh, the servant to get them whatever they want. And as, as the king or queen, they're like, get me fruit snacks. And, and you have to because, you know, those, those are the rules. Uh, or, or maybe they're a policeman and, and you're a robber and they, they run around the house and they catch you and they're like, ah, got you, freeze. And, you know, even though it's just their hands, you know, you got to pretend because, you know, oh, they're the policeman and they, they caught you and then you got to freeze. But we understand uh, that it's, it's imagination. It's make-believe. And that even though we say, ah, don't shoot, or, you know, we, we go get them fruit snacks, like, we understand that even though they may be a king or queen in their imagination, that when playtime is over, you're the adult and you get to tell them to go put away their toys and clean up their room. That their power is not real. That the danger of their little hand is not, not a real danger. And, uh, you know, we as people, as, as humans, we can be like children sometimes. Pretending to have power, pretending to pose a danger. And we can live in fear of things that seem so real and so scary. And yet as we step back and gain a little bit of perspective, we realize that we're in God's house. And that though someone may seem to oppose us, that they have no real power in God's house. And that though we may feel so powerful at times that we're, you know, building castles in our minds or, you know, the floor is lava in the living room. Like, we may feel like we're having real impacts, but that once we pass on, as, as Kurt talked about this morning, once we pass on, our money and many of the things that we create in this life vanish away. That they were as if they were just something that we were imagining. And once we're gone... So are they. The power, the legacy, none of it is really lasting. Only God has true power. This morning, we're going to be continuing our Letting My Soul Sing uh, series. And we're going to be talking about trust God because God is the one that has real power around here. That anyone who is trying to oppose God will find that they will fail because only God is truly powerful. And if we are plotting against God, then we will fail. And if others are plotting against God and God's people, God will protect us because that's what God does. God is the one with the power. And, you know, we might feel like we're creating something, whether that's money in a bank account, whether that is a legacy in a business or uh, in a church even. And yet if we are not building on the foundation of God, then everything that we create will vanish away as if it was just an imagination because God is the only one with real power. And if we are not building on God, then we will fail. And so this morning, we're going to talk about two things. First, that the schemes of man inevitably fail, that any time, anyone who's opposed to God, they will fail. And anytime we try to oppose God, we will fail. 
Uh, turn with me to Psalm 37. And as you're turning there, I'm going to put up this passage from Psalm 2 on the board because I love this. Uh, it says, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And I love this verse because sometimes the dangers and perils of this life seem so real and so scary. And it feels like the kings of the earth and the rulers are taking counsel against God's people. And yet God just laughs at them as if they have any sort of power to oppose his plans. What God wants to happen will happen. God's plans never fail and man inevitably fails when opposing God. We're in Psalm 37. Let's read Psalm 37 verses 8 through 15. He says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves, it tends only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. The psalmist here says, don't worry. He says in verse 8, fret not when evildoers, uh, fret not because evildoers will be cut off. Verse 9. That people are going to come and they're going to try and oppose us. They're going to try and oppose God. They're going to be adding wickedness to this world. And we are going to feel powerless at times to stop them. But as we take a step back, we are encouraged to trust in God. Because if we trust God and if we live righteously, God's going to take care of us. He's not going to let these evildoers overcome us. He's not going to let the plots of evil men succeed. The man's schemes will inevitably fail if they are, not, if they are opposed to God, if they're not on God's side. And so that's why he says in verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend their bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. But their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. I love all of the, the poetic justice of this. You know, read passages like Haman, for example, is hung on his own gallows. Or in some other Psalms, you talk about evildoers digging a pit and then falling into their own pit. Here we see that they, they bring their sword and they're bending their bow. They're going to attack people. And yet by their own weapons, they are slain. That God will bring the plans of evil men to failure. And so we don't need to be worried at times like this. Because God's going to take care of us. And if we are opposed to God, if we are plotting something and we feel like in our imaginations that we have a power to take on God, then we're just deluding ourselves. God will stop the plans of evil men. Turn over to Psalm 52. Here we get a very similar psalm, but from a very different perspective. If Psalm 37 was encouraging someone who's uh, oppressed, uh, encouraging someone who's worried about evil men 
taking over. Yeah, Psalm 52 is directed at those evil men. It is to the kind of person that we all know, the people who are, who've taken several steps down the wrong road. They're walking down a path that leads to destruction, and we can see that. We can see the evil that they have taken on and also the danger that leads at the end of this path. And that is the encouragement of this psalm. It is in some ways an encouragement, but in also ways kind of a taunt against evil men. It says in verse 50, sorry, Psalm 52, we'll start, read the whole thing. It says, why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of the Lord endures all day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of the Lord forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. See, Psalm 52 in the verse, first four verses, it's, a, a, it's speaking to a man who's embroiled in evil, who's doing all kinds of destruction and lying and bad stuff. And yet he says in verse five, God will break you down. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. That anyone who is doing this kind of evil, they're not going to be here for very long. That God is going to uproot them. That they will be destroyed. And yet contrast that with the good man in verse 8. He says, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. As opposed to this man, this wicked man who's uprooted, the righteous man is like a green olive tree. As opposed to the wicked man who is uprooted and he is no more. Read about, see this, the steadfastness, the endurance of these words. In verse 8, I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever. That this man who is righteous he understands that he has a longevity, a steadfastness, an assurance that the wicked man does not have. And it becomes because we are trusting in God. And so the plans of man inevitably fail, but those who trust in God have assurance of strength and longevity. Let's read now verse, or Psalm 27. And this is, of course, a psalm, uh, and you'll recognize it, that is an excited psalm, a psalm of, of praise, a psalm of assurance of a man who trusts in God no matter what happens. We'll read verses 1 through 5 and then verses 13 and 14. Psalm 27. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter, In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me up high upon a rock. Verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I love the assurance of this guy. In verse 1, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What can man do to me? If God is on my side, why am I scared? Why should I be afraid? No, no matter what happens, I have confidence. I have assurance. Nothing can stop me if God is on my side. He says, I have confidence. I am sure that God will protect me. God will be my stronghold. And that I will, verse 13, look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so he encourages us in verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In times of trouble, it can be easy to become afraid. Faced with wickedness and evil of all kinds, we can fear. But he says there's nothing to fear. God is the one with the power. God is the foundation of our trust. And if we are trusting in God, we will not fail. Because man's schemes, they do fail, but God does not fail. And if we are on his side, then we can have strength and assurance. I've got one more psalm on this, and this, uh, I feel like I've already proved this point pretty well, but I love this psalm. So we're going to turn and read Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and this is maybe one of my favorite psalms. I read it anytime I'm like nervous or scared, this is my go-to. Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waves roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Look, there are times in life where we can become afraid, where we can fear because of the evil in this world, but we need to understand that man's plans fail and that man has no power when God is involved because God will shut down all of their evil schemes God will bring them to ruin. God is the one with power. Trust in God. He will be our fortress. And so 
The encouragement this morning, trust God, because man's plans fail. But there's another thing I want to say, my second point. And that is the ships of men, men's ships, inevitably sink. That needed an apostrophe. Um, this, tech, this idea comes from another text not found in the Psalms, but it was in my daily Bible reading, and I read it, and I connected it with it, and I couldn't get it unconnected. So uh, you're, you get that as well. Uh, but it also comes with another idea. This one much better known. So I want you to turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, this is, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, if this weren't like a proper Sunday morning service, I'd get like all the little kids up here and we'd sing the wise man built his house upon the rock. Because the wise man did build his house upon the rock. And in Matthew 7, we're told in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We know this well But the truth here is profound. If we build our house, our hopes, our foundation on God, then we can have assurance in him. But if we're building on anything else, if we're not building our life on God and on the teachings of Jesus, then we will fall and great will be our fall. But this is, of course, a house picture. So where does the ship picture come in? Well, it's from Ezekiel chapter 27. And uh, I could read the whole chapter for you, but I'll summarize it for you. And then we'll get one verse up on the screen here in a second. So Ezekiel 27 is a taunt against the king of Tyre. And God says, king of Tyre, your nation is like this amazing ship, this magnificent. I mean, you got the best wood, the best rowers, the best sails. It's amazing. This godlike ship. On the water. That's how it makes them feel. They're exalting themselves to such high extremes. He says, You were majestic and amazing, and you were out on the water, and you were selling your wares everywhere, and everywhere was selling their wares to you. And this behemoth of a a water enterprise, that's what you were majestic in every way. And yet, a little wind, a little waves. And this ship, which made you feel like a god, sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And the only thing left, the only reminder that you ever existed, are the debts of the cargo and the widows you left behind. Let's look here. Ezekiel 27, 27. It says, your riches, your wares, your merchandise, your mariners, your pilots, your calkers, your dealers and merchandise, and all your men of war who are in you with all your crew that is in your midst sink into the heart of the seas on the day of your fall. Now I started to think about this ship picture, this picture of houses. And I started to think about houses because I'm not the only one that lives in my house. I mean, my wife lives in my house with me. And one day we're going to have uh, you know, pets and, and kids, and, and they all live in this house. And if my house falls, then there are a lot of people that are going to be affected by that. It's not just me. And as the king of Tyre built this epic ship, this nation, 
And yet, the nation falls, and so many people are taken with it. And I started to think about this idea as it applies to trusting in God in the Psalms. And here's the truth. We live our lives trying to build something that's going to outlive us. We talked about this uh, in, in the collection talk this morning, that we want money. We want to, to build something that, that will outlast us. And you can think about all of the churches that people labor in. I mean, we want that to, to go on beyond us. You think about businesses, that people work really hard their whole lives and then they, they hand their business off to their children or, or the money that they're working to save for retirement or to build a family of, of people who believe in God. We work really hard to leave something behind. But if we are building on ourselves, on our strength, then it's gonna fail because men fail, men sink. And if our house, if our church, if our business, if our family is built on us and not on God, then when we're gone, it's gone too. Let's turn to Psalm 37. I'll show you what I mean. Psalm 37. We read this psalm earlier, but we're going to read a different part of it now. Psalm 37, we're going to read verses 18 through 26. He says, The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. This whole text kind of pushes at the same thing, but what I really like is verse 21. He says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. It's the idea that the wicked man, he's kind of like a hole. You take a lot of dirt and you pour a lot of stuff into it and then he's gone. But the, the righteous man, he's like a fountain where there's stuff constantly coming out, constantly providing for others. He talks about the fact that the righteous man in verse 25, he's not forsaken. His children are not left begging for bread. That wicked people... They take. Wicked people, they destroy. Wicked people, they vanish away like smoke. And yet the righteous man, they pass something on to their children. And we're going to see that more as we look at a few more of these psalms. Psalm 127, for example. Psalm 127. We're told, unless the Lord builds the house. Those who build it labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. We see here that if we're laboring in concert with God, then good things are going to come. If we're building a house and God is behind that endeavor, then our house will be firm. We don't need to be constantly worried because God's going to take care of us. And yet, if God is not on our side, if we are watching for attackers and God is not with us, if the, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. There's no reason. Because unless God is behind our endeavors, then they're going to collapse. They're going to fail. And so we see, as we turn to Psalm uh, 112, this idea that those who are blessed by God, their plans are established, as we saw in, verse, uh, or in the first point, but that they also create something lasting. And that's what we're going to really see in, verse, in, in Psalm 112. He says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring shall be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and righteousness and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Psalm 112, specifically verse 2. It says that his offspring will be mighty in the land. Verse 3 talks about wealth and riches that are in his house, a righteousness that endures forever. Verse 5, this man generously lends. This is a man who's adding something. This is a man who's, who's giving to others. But we understand ultimately that these blessings can only be found in God. That this man is being blessed by God to bless other people. And that the things that he is working toward, the things that he is building, the plans he is making that go beyond him are not based on him. They're based on God. And you think about this in like practical terms. Um, I've known of churches, churches that are, are built around a man, a preacher, and then the preacher dies and, or he leaves and, and the church, it, it can't stand because the church wasn't built on God, they were built around a man. Or you think about a family who they were constantly looking to the husband to be the provider for the family. And yet one day he goes and they don't have the assurance because they weren't building their home around God. They were building it trusting the father. Or you think about businesses. Uh, I could point to, you know, some modern day businesses. I think, uh, you know, talk about uh, the Virgin conglomerate or uh, Tesla, these companies that are built around like these huge 
celebrity CEOs. And yet the whole business is based on that guy. And one day he's going to go, and that business is not set up to go beyond him. It's built on the one person. And so as we are living our lives, creating things that we want to outlive us, particularly I think about this in our families, are we praying with our children or are we praying for our children? Like, are, are we the spiritual the, the connection for our children between God? Or are we teaching our children to love God? Are we teaching our families to trust us because we are going to take care of them? Are we teaching them to trust God because God is going to provide for us? Are we as preachers, as elders, as people working to build this congregation, are we letting people rely on us or are we letting people rely on God and the Holy Spirit moving through us and working here in this community. Because if we're building on ourselves, those things are going to fail. I mean, Psalm 9, it says, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. And let the nations know that they are but men. We are but men. That one day, we're going to be gone and that we need to be building these things on God because the ships that we build, the ships that are based on our strength are going to sink and take everyone with us. But the ships that we are entrusting to the care of God, God's going to see that they endure. Psalm 128. Psalm 128. Here's a picture of a family that's built on God. He says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it will be well for you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive trees around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. That when we trust in God, when we are working for the Lord, when we are fearing God, that that's going to have effects not just on us, but on the people around us. God's going to empower us to be generous. God's going to empower us to have healthy families that are going to grow and carry on this work that we have taught them. That when we are teaching people about righteousness when we are modeling a righteous life of that is lived in the fear of God that's something we can pass on that is something that is firm and steadfast turn with me to Psalm 146 this is our, our last text for the day as I said we can teach our children we can teach the people in our congregations to trust in us and in all the things that we're going to do for them or we can teach them to trust in God because one day we're going to be gone. And they need to know where the blessings come from. It's not from us. We're not the rainmaker. It's God who takes care of us. Psalm 146, starting in verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. I mean, that could be us. 
people trusting in us, but when we fail, our plans perish. Instead, we got to teach people, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. That as we are working to help people, to create something that's going to last, to build a ship, to build a house, we got to build it on God. we got to teach people not to trust in us, not to trust in the things that we're doing, but to trust in God. God is the creator. God is the provider. God is the just one. God is the one who provides food for the hungry, who sets the prisoners free, who gives sight to the blind. It's all God. It's always been God. And so as we're trying to help, as we're trying to create, as we're trying to make an impact on the world, we have to understand that just like that small child imagining things, that when the imagination is over, when the playtime ends, the living room is not lava anymore. That is not a castle in the house. And the only way that that happens is if the owner of the house, what is in our metaphor, was God, the ruler of this world, makes it so. God has to be the foundation for anything because we will pass away. But God has the power to establish our plans. God has the power to make things last. And so this morning we've discussed this idea of trusting in God. Trusting in God because God will bring the plans of man to ruin, but he will establish us. He will protect us. He will be our stronghold. And so if we're opposed to God, we gotta got to fix that. But if we're on God's side and we're afraid, we got to be able to trust in him. Trust that he will take care of us, that he will be our stronghold. And as we're trying to build families, businesses, churches that outlive us, we have to remind others and remind ourselves that we cannot be the basis for those things because we will fail, but God will not. And that if we sink, we don't want to bring other people with us. We don't want to go to the bottom of the sea with all of those things and all of those merchants. No, we we want to build things that outlive us. And if we're going to do that, we got to trust in God. We've got to be building on God, teaching people to trust God. So now we get to the portion of our service where we're going to sing a song of encouragement. And the same message that we've been spreading this whole time applies here too. We might feel as if we have a self-righteousness, that we have earned heaven. We might imagine that. We might feel that we've got the power to, to save ourselves, to get to heaven on our own, and that's just not true. We do not have that kind of power. God's the only one with real power around here. And so if we're going to get to heaven, if we're going to be the people God wants us to be, if we're going to be saved, it's not going to be by our own hands. It's going to be because we trusted in God, the one with the real power. 
And so uh, in a moment, we're going to sing a song of encouragement. And if you have never begun your journey with God and you, you want to know what this is about, we would love to talk with you, to encourage you. If you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to help you with that. Or if, you've, if you're a faithful member, but you, you've, you've lost some of your zeal or you're struggling with something, we would love to help you with that as well. If you have any need, please come as we stand and sing.